Welcome into the Diamond Vols podcast. I am Ben McKee, joined as always by Eric Kane, my wonderful co-host, despite him feeling the need to pick on my teams this week. Uh, it's It's been a busy week for both of our teams. Uh, your Braves making some moves that I really like with Matt Olson, although I hate that they did not push for Freddie Freeman but absolutely love plan B with Matt Olson and what he's going to be able to bring to the table. My Yankees making some moves, trading Gary Sanchez, Gio Urshela, adding or bringing back Anthony Rizzo, but also adding some some Josh Donaldson energy to the clubhouse and uh, the, the shortstop from the Rangers, who was a gold glover last year. Uh, so our, our teams have been busy on top of my Steelers adding one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Three things really quick. I'll make this super quick. I, gosh, I love Freddie Freeman. I'm going to miss him. Reports out here on a Thursday, on a Wednesday, that uh, from from his uh, from his people, they probably overplayed their hand. Um, I think I could have told them that probably a week or two ago. Love Freddie. Going to miss him. Like Matt Olson. Super excited about it. Not. I mean, Tennessee set or Tennessee. Gosh, Atlanta is set at first base for quite some time. But eight eight year extension. Yeah, that is a long long time. Um. Josh Donaldson, Garrett Cole, they got to bury the hatchet. Got to, got to. And um, Anthony Rizzo, everybody's going to remember him as a Cub and for, you know, obviously good reason. He is New York Yankees, I feel like. He's just the perfect fit to play first base, hit in the middle of that order for the Yankees. So uh, Yankees moving on, getting out of the Freeman uh, sweepstakes, going back, re-signing Rizzo. I think uh, your team's in good, good, good shape there. Uh, Josh Donaldson too, if he stays healthy, which he never does, but uh, if he stays healthy, man, that lineup's going to look great. Yes, I I loved to mess with good friend of the pod Ryan Shumpert last year, who is a diehard Cubs fan, and inform him several times the second half of the season post trade deadline how much I love New York Yankee Anthony Rizzo. So uh, <laughs> big shouts out to Shumpert. Still, thank you for that trade and. Aroldis Chapman as well, and Labor Torres, and so on and, and so forth. But we are here to talk Tennessee baseball, not Major League Baseball. Maybe we need to start a Major League Baseball podcast. But I'm down we're here to that. talk about the, the Diamond Vols. And SEC play begins this week, one of the best weeks of the year. I know everybody's focus is on the NCAA tournament with the basketball team. And quite frankly, my main focus is on the basketball team this week. How can it not be? It's the NCAA tournament and Tennessee basketball just won the SEC tournament for the first time in 43 years. And there's a lot of hope and excitement that Tennessee can maybe make the first final four in program history. So I know a lot of people's attention and main focus this week is is March Madness. And again, rightfully so. But uh, I, I also know that a lot of people, including Eric and myself, also have their eye on uh, Tennessee baseball as conference play begins this week. South Carolina comes to town, and they're an interesting team to figure out. And we will get to the Gamecocks, but since we did not record a podcast over the weekend, since it was a little old Rhode, Rhode Island that Tennessee played, and again, everybody was – uh, paying attention to the SEC basketball tournament. We did not do a, a weekend in review podcast, but do want to touch on that real quick before we get into South Carolina. And Eric, I just really had two things that stood out to me over the weekend. And the first one is that Chase Burns and Drew Beam didn't really have their 
efficient outings that we've become used to. They were still good and obviously led Tennessee to a win. But Chase Burns, his command wasn't what it has been. Uh, Drew Beam gave up uh, some pop, <laughs> gave up some extra base hits that we had not really seen yet. So, again, both were good and not trying to take or make too much out of it. I I'm really making it a positive point in the sense of I think it was good for them to have that type of outing before conference play. Yeah, uh, I would I would agree. Facing some adversity, of course, Chase Burns has been fantastic so far. Looked fantastic against Texas uh, a couple of weeks ago. Of course, we know that he's he's looked really good. But you know, getting roughed up just a smidge. I mean, it's not. I wouldn't even categorize it as as being roughed up. He allowed two runs. They weren't earned, so it's not going to hurt his ERA. Um, four hits in five innings, but that's that's the most he's gotten hit so far. But he will get hit. I mean, he's going to get hit in SEC play. That's just a that's just a matter of fact. So getting that out of the way a little bit. Game two, Chase Dolander. Uh, you know, he started off by allowing a lot of base runners, but settled in 12 strikeouts. So I thought that was a good recovery, but Drew Beam as well as a true freshman facing that type of adversity a little bit because it's been it's been good times for Drew Beam here lately. But hey, the more he pitches, whether it be in the starting rotation or at some point in the very near future, you know, a key role out of the bullpen, you know, these SEC hitters are going to be quite different from the likes of Rhode Island, Iona, um, you know, some of the midweek games and, and everything the last couple of uh Weeks in preparation for SEC play, so I would agree with you. That's uh, that that's good to see, and I'd see how they respond to it. One one thing as well, um, and this can be you know a, bit, a, a later topic. Got to get Cameron Sewell back on track, man. Got to get him back on track because Tennessee's going to need him very much the rest of the season. Absolutely, there's no doubt about that. And it, it was good to see Chase Dolander bounce back from his Baylor performance. I I, I do realize that, like you mentioned, he gave up some base runners there early against Rhode Island, but uh, the 12 strikeouts, very impressive. And oh, yeah. it was good to see him trend back into the right direction after he really struggled in that first inning against Baylor. And uh, you look, Tennessee took care of business. They swept Rhode Island, uh, the, the doubleheader on Friday. You win game one, 17 to four. You win game two, eight to three. You, you you win game three on Sunday, 12 to three. So you sweep the doubleheader on Friday. You take Saturday off because we got snow here in Knoxville. Uh, and then you come back on Sunday and, and you complete the sweep. And look, I mean, you, you beat the team 37 to 10, if my quick math is correct, for the weekend. And, and that is outstanding. But that's what you should do against a team as bad as Rhode Island. They, they still have not won a game yet. And uh, it kind of brings me to my second takeaway is that it's time for conference play to start because yeah. it has been very much ho-hum for the Vols since they returned from Houston. Uh, you had that doubleheader with James Madison, and it took you 10 innings to win game one, 9-8, to eight, and then you win 10-2 in the second game, but really didn't break out until the later innings in that game. That game was pretty close for five or six innings. Very ho-hum performance. And I know the final score looks good, but it was very much ho-hum in those Rhode Island games as well. And some yeah. some late runs in those games to kind of break it open. And then even Eastern Kentucky last night on Tuesday night, winning 7-1, to one, feels like you, you could be an Eastern Kentucky team. that Yeah, they were above 500, but feels like after you score six runs in the first two innings, you should finish with more than seven runs. So... Uh, I, I think it's a good thing that conference play has arrived because 
it has looked like Tennessee has been bored playing baseball since they returned from Houston. No, I would agree with that. And you said it a couple of times already. I mean, that that is the phrase that I was going to use to describe uh, Rhode Island. I believe I even put it in my my little wrap-up piece on Sunday. Just very ho-hum. Um, you know, I mean, you, you dominated the series, but at points in times, I feel like the the bats went cold. Um, I don't want to say that the approach was off. Um, I don't want to say that they were just going through the motions because, you know, I, I don't believe that to be true. I don't know that. But it was very just lackadaisical. You had the game in hand. You had some explosive innings. Um, the fifth inning in both games two of the series uh, and in games three of the series were huge. You talk about those explosive innings. Uh, game two of the series, game two on Friday, um, you had a home run parade is how I phrased it. You had uh, Scott Lawson. They went back to back. Christian Moore, two batters later, had a solo home run. And in between Moore and, and Lawson, you had Dickey that flied out all the way to the warning track. T- Tennessee nearly went back to back to back to back. Uh, so I thought that was uh, you know really impressive. And then on Sunday, you uh, you played five runs by five different people on RBI singles. So I mean, again, it was it, it was enough. You did your job, and you came in and was able to just dominate a, a weaker opponent. And got some guys in there and everything, but. Uh, yeah, you're not going to be bored moving forward any longer. You're going to have two really, really good arms against South Carolina. We'll talk more on that here in a moment. You're going to be challenged more. And so uh, I'm ready to see how this team competes uh, moving forward after doing exactly what it was supposed to do in the non-conference slate, going to Texas, going to Houston, being very competitive. And now into SEC play, let's see, let's see how far this team has come. Yes, and Tennessee is just crushing the baseball right now that carried over into Tuesday night's game against Eastern Kentucky. And I'm, I'm trying to pull up the uh, the stats, but it's not working on my phone. I got you. Maybe pull up the home run leaders in the country. I know Tennessee's uh, first. I, I just don't know how many as a team. I think it's like I think 47 that they fit. Uh, I was going to say 46 because I saw the stat, then they hit three more. Um, uh, I think it's 46 or 47, but Tennessee is leading the country. Yes, and and I believe by a substantial – uh, margin uh, as well so <laughs> i i'm i've been surprised by the power quite frankly T- tennessee also this just popped up on my feed right in front of me right now it's funny how things work uh tennessee's number one in the country and runs scored 17 games 204 runs the second place team ben in 16 games virginia has 183 so i mean that is <laughs> i mean that's that's 21 more runs that, that's that's not bad not bad at all not bad at all. And again, the, that was kind of the MO of last year's team hit for power. And look, playing in Lindsey Nelson Stadium helps. You, you saw that when Tennessee went to Omaha, when Tennessee went to Houston. But for a college baseball team, this this team still hits for power. And I, I think that's been in, in terms of uh, a group effort that may be the most surprising aspect of the lineup so far you knew Jordan Beck was going to hit for power you knew Drew Gilbert was going to hit for power but Drew hasn't really gotten in on the home run action just yet and you knew Evan you knew Luke they'd hit for power as well but um, Jared Dickey although you knew he was a power hitter you just didn't think that he would get these many at bats early and Tony Vitello said that he always knew this was in Trey Lipscomb 
but the power from Trey Lipscomb has has been somewhat surprising to me as as well. Again, I thought he would he would show the power. I just didn't think he would be a, a consistent threat to go deep the way that he has. He goes deep twice again Tuesday night against Eastern Kentucky. Hits a two-run home run in the first inning. Then he hits a grand slam in the second inning. Two home runs in two innings. He's now got eight on the season. It's tied with Jacob Berry from LSU for most in the SEC. And, again, I, I thought that he would be able to crank some out of the ballpark. I didn't think he would be tied for the SEC lead in home runs entering conference play. My favorite stat of Tuesday night was Tennessee scored seven runs. Well, Trey Lipskin drove in six of them. <laughs> I mean, that is incredible. Two home runs, a grand slam. Um, and you, we've been hearing this for years, right? I mean, I remember Tony uh, speaking at one of the media availabilities. Maybe it was on the radio. I don't know, but um, just talking about how Trey Lipscomb is the you know has a great, a bright, bright future at the hot corner, and he's been here a while. And of course, he's played behind some really, really good players. Um, but he's just you know he's he's sat back, watched, learned, got better and better. And you know we we've heard about it, and and I, we're seeing it. I I'm like you. I didn't think it was going to be this consistent already but i mean when, when you return evan russell when you turn drew gilbert when you return jordan beck and then now you can count on a guy like trey lipscomb right now you can count on a guy like jared dickey playing a little all over from the leadoff spot christian moore has emerged i mean there is some serious power and, and luke lipsius as we already talked about gosh there's some serious power here in this lineup and uh it, it's it's been fun to watch for sure but trey lipscomb has been Maybe the biggest surprise, in my opinion, so far, knew he was going to be a starter, knew he was a good defender, knew he was going to be a guy, just didn't know he was going to be the guy right now early on. You hope that that can continue on in SEC play as the arms get better and better and better. Yes. Drew Beam and Jared Dickey have been my biggest surprises uh, from an individual standpoint uh, because, I, I, quite frankly, I didn't think that they would have a role <laughs> on a key role at least I, I thought they would get midweek action and they're key pieces to the team as a true freshman and as a redshirt freshman entering conference play I, I did not see that coming but aside from those two Trey Lipscomb is, is a surprise as well again I thought he would be good not trying to discredit him or, or think or come across as me thinking that he wasn't going to be good I didn't no. think he was going to be this good I mean, he is all SEC level good right now, and I, I didn't expect that right off the bat. Uh, super excited for for Trey because, as we've talked about here on the podcast, he's a guy that sat behind Andre Lipsius, sat behind Jake Rucker, and in a day and age where it's easy to transfer, he didn't. He he stayed. He put in put in work and went along with it. So happy for Trey, and, and hopefully he can keep it up. The other power bat we need to mention, and my favorite stat, from last night's game came uh, and we, we say last night because we are recording this Wednesday afternoon before I hit the road yeah. to Indy. I, I probably won't post this until I get to Indy. So it, it may not actually be last night by the time you all uh, are you listening always, to this. You can always send it to me and I can do that for you. But anyway, eh, why, why, why would I want to do that? You, you, you might fumble it like Ryan Tannehill did the number one seed in the playoffs. Wow. Again, Oh nine New York Yankees last time. I, Again, what do the Yankees have to do with us trading Listen, quarterback shots? It makes because no sense. I, because it was, I don't look, have it's a, a good I, a good jab bringing up the. I Yankees don't have a rebuttal. I don't. 
I don't have a rebuttal to the Tannehill thing. You're exactly right. So I got to I got to shoot that you where it hurts. The Steelers haven't won since 2009. But the Steelers have a Hall of Fame coach and and Tomlin. I think the world of him. So I'm not going to badmouth him. But, but the expectation uh, is winning Super Bowls, and we have not won one despite having a a lot of talent the last several years. Antonio man. Brown, Le'Veon Bell. We wasted those teams. The killer bees, man. Uh, I don't want to talk about that. That that's really going to tick me <laughs> off. Not as much as Mitchell Trubisky, but but close. Uh, but you take a Let shot at my team. I, I, I have to return a shot on your team. We're, we're getting way off here. I promise I'll be quick. But Mr. Trubisky gets such a bad rep, man. And don't get me wrong. It's because he was drafted in front of um, of, of uh, Mahomes, in front of Wentz. I mean, I, I get it. He's not great. But I think I think he's so much better than what people give him credit for. I, I truly, I truly do. I think he's trash. Do you want to hear? And again, we're getting way off topic. But I, <laughs> I have to share this. I think you'll yeah. think it's funny. You, you okay. want to share my uh, my correlation to what Mitchell Trubisky is? Like in, in what I like comparing Mason Rudolph, like everybody's saying, oh, he's such an upgrade over Mason Rudolph. And like people aren't wrong. But but you know what it looks like to me? What? You have a dog, so you will appreciate this. Okay. When you take your dog out to use the bathroom, you see the turds from the day before or mm-hmm. two days before, and they're crusty and they're they're <laughs> like black and they're like charcoal. That, that's that's Mason Rudolph, okay? And Mitchell Trubisky are the fresh, fresh turds. Fresh. The fresh turds. The 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 ones that are stanky. The the pretty brown and not crusty and not charcoal. <laughs> got, got, got a little shine to it. Yes, exactly. It's got a little shine. That's Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> All you're doing right now, Kane, is shining a turd. Okay. Polishing the turd, man. It's still shit at the end of the day, right? <laughs> yes. It, <laughs> exactly. Uh <laughs> So please don't pump me up with Mitchell Trubisky. I'm, I'm still irritated that they made that move. Uh, but aside from that, uh, my favorite stat from the Eastern Kentucky game <laughs> on Tuesday night <laughs> is that Christian Moore hit his seventh home run, which was an absolute tank. And he now has seven home runs in 25 at-bats. There Incredible. are players on this team that have 68 at-bats. They're, they're in the 50s. They're in the 60s. And Christian Moore has 25, and he's hit seven homers in those 25 at-bats. I don't know how you can't keep him out of the lineup at this point. You you have to have him in the lineup every single game. He is one of your nine best hitters, no matter where you put him, whether it's left field, third base, like Tony talked about last night. He was a middle infielder in high school. Maybe that was because he was the best player, and the best player in high school plays shortstop. Um, DH, I don't care where he is. You have to have him in the lineup. Yep, I would agree. And, you know, to Ortega's credit, he had two hits last night, scored a run on Sunday in game three. He had a hit, scored a run, drove in a run. It's not like he's losing the job, but, of course, you you got flexibility there. You can go DH, do some other things as well. But, um, you know, credit Ortega for not, like, backing down. But I'm with you. Christian Moore's got to be in that lineup. You're seeing it consistently right now, and that's always been a thing. Can it be consistent? Well, so far it is, and he's made the most of his minimal at-bats. Got to find a spot, whether it's DH, second base, whatever you got to do, he's got to be in there because he's one of your hottest hitters. Yes, absolutely. And I don't know who you take out. (laughs) Not saying that somebody needs to lose their job. You're not going to pull um, Trey Lipscomb. You're not going to pull Jarrell Ortega. Uh, maybe Seth Stevenson, but I wouldn't pull Seth because I want his speed 
in the lineup, whether it's at the top or the bottom of the lineup. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm not one of the highest paid coaches in the SEC, and I don't have to make that decision. I just know that Tristan Moore needs more at bats and is one of the team's best hitters. It needs to be in the lineup every single weekend. That's all I know. Uh, so the the really the only other thing to touch on from Rhode Island and Eastern Kentucky is Xander Seacrest, who continues to just pitch tremendously. Four straight midweek starts, and he's been phenomenal. And we want to talk about Christian Moore getting more at-bats, pun intended. It's time for Xander to get some weekend innings, in my opinion. I mean, he's proven to be one of the better arms on the team. And granted, it's come against midweek competition. But I, I think at this point, you, you've got to get him a crack on the weekend against against the South Carolina. See what he's got. See if it can translate to stiffer competition. And again, it'll be hard because he's throwing 80 pitches on a Tuesday. Yeah, uh, and you won't be able to use him Friday or Saturday, but why not give him a crack on Sunday for an inning or so just to see what he can offer? Yeah, I mean, it would have to be for an inning or maybe two innings tops because, again, he's going to be pitching. I mean, again, that's the thing. You can't – it would have to be just for an inning because, I mean, you're going to run him out there on Tuesday every single every single midweek game, hopefully. And so – but, yeah, I would agree. A great long relief option if you got in a bind, an absolute bind. To say he gets shelled on Tuesday or something, you know, pitches only, you know, 60, 55 pitches or whatever. Maybe you don't have a whole lot of confidence at that point, but say you need three or four innings on a Friday or maybe Saturday, maybe he's an option there. But now nah, he's he's been he's been awesome. Five innings last night, seven strikeouts, one walk. Um, allowed just what one hit. Uh yeah, yep. one hit. Yeah, one hit. Um, because it was a one hitter. And um, yeah, and you know, that happens, but when you have an offense like Tennessee that can explode at any point in time, like it did in the second inning, uh, that's okay. So now he's, I've been impressed with him. I've, you know, I've, I, I was at a couple this midweek. I wasn't at the one this week, but I'm already this season. He's looked sharp. That's just another weapon. I mean, the depth, the quality depth this team is building, it's been impressive. Speaking of pitching, because <laughs> I say that maybe Xander needs a, a shot on the weekend, it's going to be, become even harder to get him a shot on the weekend because Tennessee is very close to getting back two key arms, two of its top arms. Tony Vitello was asked about Blake Tidwell and Seth Halverson after the Eastern Kentucky game on Tuesday night and updated the status. It it was nothing new to people who read the Monday night chat on VolQuest on Monday night, but uh, Tony Vitello did share what, I shared, and, and that is that Blake Tidwell is a week ahead of Seth Halverson. Blake Tidwell is on a mound and is throwing, which is a, a huge step forward. And Seth Halverson, again, a week behind and, and not too far behind from getting on the mound and actually pitching and, and not throwing. And now that those two are going to be on the mound, they're going to have to, to meet uh, check marks and mm-hmm. – and, uh, check off boxes that there are still steps like just because they're on the mound all of a sudden doesn't mean that okay we can throw them into the the game this weekend they're gonna have to throw some bullpens and, and complete some 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 boxes before they're able to go out there and pitch in, in SEC play but um I I think it is certainly possible to see Blade Tidwell next weekend against Ole Miss if everything goes according to plan and he doesn't have any setbacks. I, I don't think he's going to start. I don't think he's going to throw three, four, five, six innings. But I, I think it's possible 
again, assuming everything continues to go according to plan, that you see Blake Tidwell against Ole Miss next weekend, and then Seth Halverson against Vanderbilt the following weekend in a in a similar role of, of just throwing an inning at a time and, and building up from there. So good news on that front. And then also good news with Drew Gilbert. Tony Vitello said that he was available to pinch hit against Eastern Kentucky on Tuesday and that he will be available in some capacity this weekend against South Carolina. In fact, he said not available. He said that he will play this weekend in some capacity against South Carolina. And, and I think that's somewhat coach speak. I, I expect Drew Gilbert to be in the lineup, and I would be surprised if he wasn't in the lineup and, and ready to go this weekend. So, Kane, that, that's big news. Tennessee's already playing well, and then you're on the verge of, of getting even healthier. You saw Charlie Taylor who's been out the last couple of weeks after fracturing the tip of his finger in the bullpen, taking a pitch off of, of that finger. He was able to pinch hit last night. Jarrell Ortega, he he suffered uh, of a freaky injury or what looked to be a freaky injury against James Madison a week ago when he got cleated in the ankle, and he was starting against Eastern Kentucky on Tuesday. So Vols are playing well, and they, they were already low-key flying under the radar, kind of banged up, and, and now all of a sudden – they're starting to get guys back, and the the potential of this team just continues to skyrocket. Yeah, it's a perfect time, too. You don't want to uh, – I mean, you, you obviously want to be getting healthier and healthier and healthier as the schedule gets harder, and now you're in SEC play, so that's that, that's going to bode well for Tennessee. I think it's fantastic, the news about you know Halverson and, and Tidwell, because like you said, you're, you're not just going to say, oh, you're clear? Okay, you know, go out there and give me six in, in your first start, you know, Teddy, or go out there and, you know, pitch a high leverage situation, you know, throw, throw an inning in two thirds or, you know, what a case may be. It's not, it's not just like that. You know, you got, you got that progression. So you're starting this progression, like here in the next two weeks, that way you might be to a point to where you're full go or full go for what you will be this season, really when it starts to heat up in SEC play. So, that's a whole lot better too. From you know, maybe the second week of April is when they start ramping it up, or whatever the case may be. I mean, that's that's fantastic news for Tennessee, and especially Tidwell, because I mean, there's there's it's a fun conversation we've had it. Saw it on the Monday chat. It'll continue to go as he continues to get ramped up and everything. Like, what and what what are you gonna do with him? Is he your Friday? Why not keep him at Sunday? And he's used to that. You got a true freshman that's bowling out on Fridays right now. Keep him there. Um, tons of options and all that. And as as you mentioned, the guys in the lineup getting healthier and and all that. So. Uh, that is huge, and um, we'll see. You know, just the I, I love baseball because I love the different lineup combinations you can go with, and especially in a three game series, there's there's a lot of freedom there. And Tennessee's got a lot of guys that play, and uh, will continue to play as long as they continue to hit. Um, in my opinion, looking at South Carolina this weekend, before we get out of here, uh, just a, a quick scout from my perspective of the Gamecocks, uh, the. 40,000 foot observation is that they have two really good players that you have to keep an eye on. Uh, Will Sanders, who will likely start on Friday night. Uh, he's a, a sophomore righty, uh, a freshman All-American last year. Uh, he was a D1 baseball preseason uh, number five draft prospect in his class in, in the SEC. Uh, and and overall and he was terrific as a true freshman last year six and three 3.54 era uh, he's been phenomenal uh, right from the get-go this season uh, so you got to watch him he's their best player uh, but they also have a stud freshman 
<laughs> Kane. Uh, Tennessee has their own stud freshman. South Carolina has one as well. Michael Braswell, uh, a shortstop, and he also pitches. And uh, just in non-conference, he's sixth in the SEC with a 417 batting average. He's fifth with 25 hits. He's tied for sixth with 14 walks, and he has an on-base percentage of 527, which is also fifth in the SEC. And then on the mound, he's tied for second with three saves. I mean, th this kid is an, an absolute stud. He's going to be fun to watch, maybe not if he's playing against your team, but yeah. he, he's an absolute stud. And, and those are the two guys that – Tennessee will have at the top of the scouting report, both in, in the lineup and both when, when scouting their pitching staff. And they've really been plagued by injuries to start the season. Uh, James Hicks was a Juco signee who uh, left a couple of weeks ago in the third inning when pitching against George Washington. And he's out for the season with Tommy John, and and that is a, a big blow to them. He was a highly touted pitcher coming out of Crowder Junior College in Missouri, and in junior college last year he was 11-3 and three with a 4.28 ERA, and he was going to, to play a prominent role in uh, South Carolina's pitching staff uh, coming out of the bullpen most likely. Uh, but also Julian Bosnick, a lefty, he's not out for the season, uh, but he hasn't pitched due to a flexor strain that he's been dealing with, and he was expected to be a weekend starter, but has yet to pitch because of that flexor strain in his left arm. He's a guy that was drafted by the Giants but elected to return to school and, and one of the top draft prospects in the SEC this season. And those are two big arms, two of their best pitchers who are not going to be playing this weekend uh, long-term for South Carolina. Hicks, the Juco guy, out for the year. Bosnick, he'll come back at some point, but Tennessee will avoid seeing him. And aside from Will, Will Sanders, their ace, their stud that I let off talking about, uh, they also have Noah Hall, who's a transfer from Appalachian State. Those will be their one-two guys, uh, Will Sanders on Friday, Noah Hall on Saturday. And then their Sunday starter is kind of up in the air, that game three starter. Uh, John Gilreath is a senior lefty who could start. Uh, Matthew Becker just started against Texas and was named SEC co-pitcher of the week for what he did against Texas, uh, made his first start and allowed just one hit, uh, which was a solo home run in the first inning. And then he struck out 11 in six innings and had at least one strikeout in all six innings and only two Texas players got past first base. So uh, that that leads me to my bigger point of I don't really know what to think of this South Carolina baseball team. They got off to a really bad start, and they were swept by Clemson while Tennessee was in Houston, and then they, they got blown out by Xavier in the midweek. So they've lost four straight, embarrassing sweep to, to rival Clemson, embarrassing loss to Xavier in the midweek, and then they have number one Texas come into town, and they lose the opener on Saturday. They also had weather issues this past weekend. But they lose the opener of that series, as expected. And then they come back in the doubleheader on Sunday, and they sweep Texas to take the series. So, But also, you, you, you kind of look at Texas, and since that Tennessee win, they've fallen off a cliff. They lost that Sunday in Houston to UCLA. They then go to Texas State for two midweek games. They won the first one. They lost the second one, 
And then they go to South Carolina this past weekend and lose that series to South Carolina. Uh, and then Tuesday night, they lose to the College of Charleston, I believe. So they've, they've lost four out of the last six, five out of the last seven, something along those lines. So Texas, obviously the stock in them is going down. But as it pertains to South Carolina, Kane, I really don't know what to think about this team because they, they looked really bad, and then they come out and they take two or three from a stumbling number one Texas team that is no longer number one for the for the record. Yeah, but I mean, it's still it's still a great series win, right? Um, and I'm with you. I, I don't know what to think about Texas right now. Um, as the season goes on, I'm, I'm intrigued to see if they can kind of bounce back because they they've had some they've had a couple of really head scratching losses that a team of that caliber with multiple All Americans on in that lineup and preseason All Americans and uh, you know stuff of that nature. That they shouldn't have. So uh, I'm kind of intrigued on that. I'm putting you on the spot, and I'm sorry if you don't know the answer to this, but kind of that stud, the stud freshman they had, the shortstop and relief pitcher. How do they go about using him? I mean, does he play, and then when they need him on the mound, do they just simply come let let him come in in the ninth and pitch? I mean, how, how often does he pitch a week? I mean, how do they kind of utilize him? Because I would assume that, I mean, according to the numbers, they're getting a lot out of him both on the mound and as a shortstop. Whenever he's, I mean, he's starting a shortstop, and then he'll have just scheduled days of the week that he's going to pitch. And it's got to be the ninth, right? Because they don't want to lose his bat in the lineup. Yes. Uh, he has not started uh, a game yet. He's made five appearances, which is up there for tops on the team. Uh, I would assume they're the all – I would assume that they're all like – you probably don't know the answer. To this. I would assume they're all in the ninth, though, right? Because, I mean, it's – again, if he's your everyday shortstop. Yes. I, I don't know for sure that it is yeah. the ninth inning, but he has three saves and five appearances, which yeah. tells me that it, it is the ninth inning. And he's only thrown 4.1 innings. So he hasn't thrown a ton. He's made several appearances, but not a lot of ton of action in those appearances. So I, I think you you are spot on right there. And so, yeah, yeah, we'll see about South Carolina. Um, we're we're going to learn a lot about him, you know, this weekend. Seems to me like they're pretty top heavy. You know, they're gonna, you know, get get, get by Friday. Obviously, uh, they, they've got two really, really good arms. The lineup, a little up and down. Certainly not as potent as Tennessee's lineup. So, is it as simple as, you know, they've they, they've got some strong arms. Maybe weather that storm. But overall, you think you could just out hit them in this series, and Tennessee should have a series victory. That's kind of how I look at it from kind of a bird's eye view. We'll see how they go. But I, I think this should be a series win for Tennessee. But you know, South Carolina, uh, a team with a little spunk so far here in the early going. Yes, and and I, I think that is a great synopsis, and and that is what I was going to say as well. They they have Will Sanders, their stud pitcher, and and that's about it. He he's the only guy. Like if he shuts you down, and the team won't think like this, but from my perspective, like it's not the end of the world if if he pitches well against you, yeah. <laughs> because he's supposed to. He's he's going to be a top draft pick. Um, in, in the early rounds. So that bird's eye view is that, hey, they, they've got this pitcher, Will Sanders, who's a stud. They've got this freshman, Michael Braswell, who plays shortstop. He pitches. He, he's just a stud as well. But aside from that, they just kind of have, you know, just some good players uh, aside from that. They don't have a lot of depth. Uh, and Tennessee, quite frankly, if Tennessee shows up and plays its A game, I even think it's B to B-plus game. I, I think Tennessee wins the series, if not sweeps South Carolina, because I do think that, that there is a significant 
gap in talent and depth. Looking at some other pieces in the lineup real quick, uh, left fielder Brant Belk. He's a transfer from Missouri. Uh, he could also play center field, and uh, he had been struggling until the Texas series, and then this weekend he explodes on the scene, has eight hits in those three games, one SEC co-player of the week. In the loss, he was four for five with a double, a home run, and two runs scored. And then on Sunday, he had a pair of hits in each of the wins and scored seven runs on the week and had four extra base hits to go with four RBIs. He and third baseman Kevin Madden, who is a transfer from Virginia Tech, they they need them to perform well in order for their lineup to have success. Uh, they they were brought in to to beef up the lineup. Uh, they they lost the the big slugging first baseman from last year, West Clark, who hit homers left and right <laughs> all of last season, uh, and he was kind of the only really really good bat that scared you in that lineup was West Clark, and, and they needed to beef up the lineup and, and be better one through nine. And they, they've gotten slightly better there. But, again, it's not a lineup that, that scares you. Brent Belk, who I mentioned, the Missouri transfer, uh, Kevin Madden, the Virginia Tech transfer at third base, they have not performed until Texas. And, of course, South Carolina beat Texas when they finally performed better. Um, they were struggling to start the year, and the thought was that them struggling had a lot to do with the lineup struggling. So Carolina really needs – Brent Belk and Kevin Madden to hit the ball. And they're better than they have showed so far when you look at their statistics at their previous school and then what they were doing to start the year. So they need those guys going. Michael Braswell, the shortstop, he's going to do his thing. Two other guys to keep an eye on in that lineup, Braylon Wimmer. He's the second baseman and hits in the three-hole. Uh, he's tied for fifth in the SEC with five stolen bases. He's going to be a guy that if he gets on base, he will test Tennessee's running game. Uh, and, and Evan Russell behind the plate, pitchers on the mound. And then Andrew Eister, he is a really good bat in the middle of that lineup. He bats in the four-hole. He's tied for sixth in the SEC with 21 RBIs. And then Kevin Madden, the transfer third baseman that I discussed, uh, he, he bats in the five-hole. And then from there, they just have, they just have guys that are just solid. They're, they're not great. They don't really move the needle. Uh, Colin Burgess behind the plate, he's a sophomore. Uh, Josiah Seitler at first base, he bats in the eight hole and he's actually a pitcher as well, like the phenom freshman, but he's actually hurt right now and he's not healthy enough to pitch at all again this season, but is healthy enough to hit and, and play first base. And then they really need more production out of the bottom of their lineup. They, they brought in a third transfer, as a matter of fact, from Vanderbilt, Matt Hogan. Uh, he didn't get to play in the fall, and, and he's been struggling here in the spring as a result, been striking out a ton, uh, and, and they need more production from center field down there in the nine hole at the bottom of that lineup. Matt Hogan, the Vandy transfer, is, is a possible option there, and then Elijah Lambros uh, there as well. So to me, like as long as Chase Burns, Drew Beam, Chase Dolander do their thing, and assuming the bats just <laughs> don't go completely cold, no. Tennessee should be fine this weekend. I mean, kind of every every comparison you want to stack up against, I think it's check Tennessee. Uh, I think Tennessee's got the better starting pitching from top to bottom. Tennessee's obviously got the better lineup from top to bottom. We know about Tennessee's weapons out of the bullpen. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that maybe you slip up on Friday potentially, um, but I think that this should be a, a Tennessee, you know, two games to one series win, if not 3-0 sweep. So, 
And again, that would be huge for start of SEC play. Obviously, can't overlook South Carolina because what they have done so far this season, even though we don't really know what Texas is. But the way Tennessee's playing right now, the way to, the way it's swinging the bat, the way it's hitting contributions up and down the order and from those coming off the bench, the surprise starts from Chase Burns and Drew Beam, Chase Dolander right there in the middle. He's had a little bit of struggles, but bounced back, and the strikeouts have been just incredible. I think Tennessee's rolling uh, into SEC play, but something I'm always curious about too. I mean, just the and Houston was good to see. Um, you know, Tennessee, you know, go away with that with a two one, a two and one record. But I mean, gosh, Tennessee's non conference schedule has just been, oh, you know. I mean, James Madison was fine, Georgia Southern was fine, um, ETSU was fine, but you know, a lot of it's just been so boring and just it. I feel like almost like the velocity with the with the pitchers, like for my own, especially like it almost messed up with your timing a little bit, right? But I mean, certainly it did with Tennessee. They <laughs> it was batting practice out there. They were setting program records. Um, but I'm expecting Tennessee to kind of roll this weekend, and I think that'd be a great start for SEC play uh, for sure. There's obviously a couple of things we're going to be on the lookout for, but I think Tennessee will go. Yes, there are matchups within the game to keep an eye on this weekend. I just don't think that there's a ton, not like there will be next weekend when Tennessee goes to Ole Miss, uh, not like the following weekend when Tennessee goes to Vanderbilt. Uh, this is a, this is a, a matchup where South Carolina is talented and has the players to beat Tennessee. If Tennessee does not show up to the ballpark, but if Tennessee plays the way it did in Houston and doesn't beat itself, and I'm more so talking about Oklahoma and Baylor because Tennessee did beat itself against Texas. But if Tennessee plays to the, the level that it should, I mean, I almost think that Tennessee should sweep South Carolina. I know that's hard to yeah. do in the SEC, so that's not my expectation. Mm-hmm. Just win, win two of three. But e- even the matchups that, that you're kind of keeping an eye on, Will Sanders, him pitching on Friday for South Carolina, Tennessee's going to be throwing Chase Burns. And I, I expect Chase Burns to go toe-to-toe with Will Sanders, just like he did uh, in Texas against their ace and and their lefty, Pete Henson. I I expect Chase Burns to keep Tennessee in the game and and allow Tennessee's bats several innings to to get to Will Sanders, and then when they finally do, take advantage of it, run him from the game. South Carolina doesn't have a lot of depth on its pitching staff right now because of injuries and just where they are as a team in general. So even the matchups that may favor – South Carolina, Tennessee has qualities to its team that they can overcome those those matchups that may lean in in South Carolina's favor. But it, it's more individual players for South Carolina, whereas for Tennessee, like you mentioned, check next to Tennessee having the better lineup. Check next to Tennessee having the better pitching staff. Check next to Tennessee having more talent. Check next to Tennessee having more depth. Check to it being a home series for Tennessee. Funny enough, the first home series to start conference play in the Tony Vitello era. First time he is starting conference play at home, and he kind of got a chuckle out of that when I asked him how happy he was when he didn't have to complain to us, the media, that uh, they had to go on the road for another year to start conference play. So Tennessee should handle business this weekend. Last thing before we get out of here, anything you want to learn about this team? I know we're a month and a half, actually just a month into the season, uh, going to Houston, we wanted to learn how this team would handle adversity, wanted to see them against better competition. Anything this weekend that you're keeping an eye on and, and something you, you would like to learn about Tennessee? 
Uh, maybe just, you know, how, how do you stack up top to bottom from consistent pitching all weekend long? Um, because Tennessee hasn't seen that outside of Houston um, consistently again. But, you know, more so for me, it's just kind of like what I'm on the lookout for. Maybe not learn, but what I'm on the lookout for, just three simple things. The freshman, uh, Jared Dickey, SEC <laughs> freshman of the week for the second time already this season. Um, where is he in the lineup? Where is he? Is he in the field? In the left field, DH? Is he catching? Like, what's going on there? Uh, Christian Moore. Same thing. Where is he in the lineup? Where is he playing? Because, you know, those two freshmen have been huge for uh, Tennessee so far. The return to Drew Gilbert, what's that look like? How is he effective? Does he look limited? Um, very intriguing by that. Uh, very intrigued by that. I guess I have four things. Trey Lipscomb, can you keep this up? Um, that's going to be more of a couple of series in the SEC play type situation. But what's Lipscomb look like? Because he's, uh, gosh, he's, he's hot right now. And then finally, Camden Sewell. Uh, need to go weekend from Sewell. It's it's not been a not been the best last couple of appearances for him. Uh, so those are kind of the things that I'm really looking out for this weekend. Not necessarily what I'm trying to learn, but um, more so that's kind of I'm going to be on the lookout for. You hit the nail on the head and covered everything that I would say as yeah. well. Just to to summarize in general, um, just just want to continue to learn about these players. I mean. They've played 17 games, but really only a handful of those games have come against legitimate competition. So just want to continue to learn about the new faces and and guys in, in new roles. I, I thought you summarized it really well there. Uh, Kane and I will be back with you on Sunday evening or Monday afternoon. We'll, we'll see <laughs> how things are going. We'll be more consistency once hoop season is over, yes, but hey, hopefully absolutely. that will be for a couple more weekends. Um you are on the move everywhere. We got a lot going on, but we'll we'll definitely be back to, to recap what we saw for sure. We will. And I will definitely be at the game at Lindsey Nelson Stadium on Sunday. And then, I'll, like I said, I'm, I'm going to Indianapolis here in about an hour. So uh, I'll be watching Friday night from my hotel room and I'll be keeping an eye out on, on Saturday as well. So we may not be at Lindsey Nelson Stadium on Friday or Saturday, but Kane and I will not be neglecting baseball for the weekend we will still have plenty of coverage for you at volquest.com and we will be back with you sunday evening or monday monday afternoon early afternoon but we will uh, get out a, a pod to, to break down opening sec series and uh, should be a fun one so kane appreciate you and enjoy yep. the the madness of march this weekend Oh, it's going to be fun, man. Let's hope for uh, let's hope for a fun weekend because uh, it'd be very disappointing if it wasn't. But I'm expecting uh, two wins, and uh, I'll call it. I'm expecting a sweep across the board. Two wins for basketball, three wins for baseball. Let's get it. I'll join you. I, I think Tennessee sweeps South Carolina. I think the men's team beats Longwood. What a name! And then beats uh, Old Colorado State. Yeah, on uh, Michigan on, not on Saturday. Michigan not having its starting point guard for that game tomorrow. Plus, just it's Michigan here lately. I'm with you on Colorado State. I think that's who Tennessee's going to be playing Saturday. And Colorado State has the better player. Yeah. So, uh, so I agree. Clean sweep across the board. Lady Vols, they'll be in action. Hopefully, uh, they can handle business as well. But he's Eric Kane. I'm Ben McKee. We hope you all have a great weekend.